0: Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends.
1: Hey folks, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends. I'm your co-host Joe Liu, and today I'm joined with Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. And uh, this week's sermon was actually about The purpose of the fellowship. And I think it goes without saying that the reality is we are stuck in the middle of a conflict of good and evil of this world and God's kingdom. Um, and whether we know it or not, we are experiencing spiritual warfare. And a lot of the times the things that are of inconvenience, of pettiness in our lives can detract from what God is really doing in this world and, uh, really confuses us in regards to what the purpose and the mission at hand is in regards to God's kingdom. And so this conversation was a really practical, really comprehensive conversation regarding how we can navigate um, a world and a reality a strife with spiritual warfare and how we can really combat uh, the forces of evil and darkness in this world together as a fellowship uh, in Christ. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy.
0: Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com.
2: Hey guys, welcome back. As we come back to the book of Acts in our new series, it's our turn now, as observing the season of Pentecost this summer, we're going through the whole book of Acts. And one of the things that this will do is that the early church narrative will become a mirror. A mirror to the type of church we are. Our community exhibits the types of believers we are. We'll begin to see the similarities in the differences. If the church, the greatest community of all time, then and there, is our example, then we'll begin to see the contrast. And the point is for us to adopt those practices, best practices, and values to see God's power change the world in ruin. So if Contrast is the mother of clarity will begin to see common things and different things. One of the most prevailing, amazing qualities the early church exhibited was their unanimity. They were, as Luke's description says in the accounts, is that they had one heart and one mind. They were one heart and one mind. Meaning their movement was aligned, their hearts, the fellowship, they were united. Something the world is clearly lacking today in our country and the world. But here's the kicker. They had not much in common. They were not similar in social status, in economic Wealth, there was disparities there, education, and they were from different cultures. Spokes, many spoke different languages. When the, when the thousands, the 3,000 joined the 120, the original disciples and followers, the church became a multiplex. So they were vastly different. But something held them together. A secret sauce, you will. A powerful unanimity. And they had one heart and one mind, and they changed the world. What was that? Simple. They knew they were at war. The Bible tells us that our struggle, that our battle, Paul says in his epistles, in Ephesians, not against flesh and blood but against the principalities against the dark forces of evil in this world something we forget in the modern age with so much technological advances in modern medicine is that the church lacks the urgency of its purpose of its calling and that's why it's so imperative and paramount to come back To the beginning, the foundation, the anchor. Jesus told the disciples this ecclesia, this community that would change the world, the gates of hell will not prevail against this ecclesia, this community sent by God. And that's what we forget sometimes in our fellowship with so many different choices. Pettiness begins to prevail. And that's what Singhay says, an MIT professor, in the absence of a great dream, pettiness prevails. See, where there's a lack of urgency of the greater context, as C.S. Lewis says, this is enemy-occupied territory. That is what the story of Christianity is. The rightful king landing, landing in disguise and leading a great campaign of sabotage. And that's why it's so difficult, Lewis says, to go to church. Because going to church is listening to, like in World War II, as C.S. Lewis pictures it, listening to the wireless. The secret agency of turning this world right side up again. Because it is captive to the Prince of Darkness. We discussed the idea of temptation, sin, and evil last week. This week, I want to go deeper into the idea of principalities and powers. The macro picture of why our fellowship is urgent and necessary. I'm sure in the midst of the pandemic, when we're not seeing anyone, we forget the church's purpose. We could, because we're isolated and alone and we're just going throughout our day. But... Not everything is as it appears. We need to focus back on our mission, the clarity. In, in this pandemic, I really do believe that scarcity brings clarity. And that's the question we want to answer today. What was it that drew this different vest of groups of people united as one? To have that one heart, one mind. Let's discuss that as we go into this text and find out together.
0: Hi everyone, today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 12-16. through 16. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. That is the word of the Lord.
2: So in the beginning we asked a question, what united the hearts and minds of believers that were vastly different from one another the first lesson we learned in this text is that they knew they were at war our fellowship exists because evil exists just like in the fellowship of the ring J.R.R. Tolkien paints a picture of a fellowship because of mission evil was dominating and was going to eventually prevail if Lord Sauron got his hands on the ring. He would be unstoppable. And a fellowship of men and elves and dwarfs gathered together. The urgency. In Harry Potter, I've been watching that with Josh and the whole family actually. The whole point of the fellowship of Hermione and Harry and others was the mission of what? Preventing evil dominion of, of Lord Voldemort. A lot of us sometimes forget in the church why we exist. We exist primarily because evil exists. And we are all, in the context of Lewis's idea of enemy occupied territory are in war, in danger. And long as you don't realize that you're in war, you're going to live like an idiot, like a fool, like in those horror movies. The people who die always first. Oh, nothing is wrong. Until you realize that you are, right now, this is the story we find ourselves, in a war, your life won't make sense spiritually. Your Christian life will not make sense at all. Why are these things happening to me? Why do I feel discouraged? Why are some of these thoughts harassing me? Why do I get these dark thoughts and feelings and these conflicts all the time? Why is my life sometimes more difficult following Christ than if I weren't? Well, keep asking these why questions but we'll never understand that this malaise will not dissipate until we begin to see, like the text says right here in verse 15 and 16. In 15 it says, as a result, people brought the sick into the streets. So, so there is infirmity. We see the lame. We see sickness. In verse 16, crowds gathered also from towns of Jerusalem, bringing their sick And those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them were healed. You see, the spirit of Pentecost, the power of Pentecost, the spirit, sends the church to fight evil. In Jesus, the kingdom is here, yet not fully. Yet, but not yet. Go, but no go. We live in the, This conflict where the evil one still is the ruler of the world. And Christ came to lead a great campaign of sabotage, as Lewis suggests. So, if we don't understand and discern that we are at war, we'll just feel discouraged most of our lives when it should make sense why we're discouraged. And why we're struggling so much, this is a struggle, a spiritual war. In a war, people shoot you. That's expected. So we need to, what, expect darkness. The Bible tells us anyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. That's where temptation and sin stems from. The enemy to entangle us away. To offer the strength that God has given us. The gifts he has given us. We are at war. Our fellowship exists because evil exists. We are at war. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit show you today, those of you watching, your discouragement, the pettiness that you might feel with people at church, in small groups, in family, How little things begin to annoy you. That happens to me a lot. That's spiritual warfare. The enemy tries to isolate us in many different ways. To divide us in many different ways. Darkness looms. And that's why our fellowship exists. In the Lord of the Rings, that beautiful picture of a mosaic fellowship of the elves and the hobbits... And the dorps and the humans working together. Unity apart from uniformity is a picture of the church. All of us are different. And that's okay. So I pray the Spirit to show you why you're discouraged. And you need to do some hip, high intensity prayer. You need to rebuke the evil one when you're discouraged. You need to rebuke the evil one when you're harassed. The enemy will accuse you through sin. The enemy will accuse others of pettiness. As Peter Singe says, in the absence of a great dream, pettiness prevails. So primarily our fellowship is rooted in the fact that we are warriors together. Until we go be with the Lord in God's country, we will be at war. There will be times of, of greatness As I said, the kingdom is yet, but not yet, right? We see ISIS in the Middle East, but we see Italian ISIS. That duality, that interplay between conflict and joy will be the prevailing story of our lives. And if we don't understand when we're at battle, what happens? Like last last week we said, you can't grow if you're dead and you can't serve if you're dead because the enemy is out for you. Our fellowship exists because evil exists. That's the first thing. I pray the Spirit will show you the dark places in your life today where the enemy is attacking you today. And I pray that you be encouraged. If you're being attacked, if you're struggling, then you must be a threat. You must be a threat. God must have a plan for you, a destiny for you. And I want to call that out today in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the beginning we asked what united the hearts and minds of such different groups of people together as one. The second thing we learned, the second lesson we learned excavated from this passage is that the main purpose of our fellowship is not recreational but missional. What bounded them together? What united them together? What brought such unanimity and unity in their lives mission so the fellowship exists because of the, this present darkness but the fellowship is strengthened by a common what purpose so that's why it doesn't matter if you like someone or not the pettiness the preferences the customizations how Google and Facebook Customized products making serving us. As, as we know that Zuckerberg uh, was under a lot of scrutiny and public outrage because they found a few years ago that Facebook is really polarizing the country and the only way they can increase their ad revenue and be profitable is that they need to advertise the same type of news that people eat up and move away from news that challenges people. If you're conservative, conservative news. If you're a little bit more left and liberal, liberal news. So you keep feeding the same things over and over again. And so we're used to being catered to. And when we don't like something, what do we do? We exit out of our lives. This is the generation where people ghost one another. So, does our fellowship primarily exist for recreation? Meaning, oh, I want to have fun and do this and do that. It's no, that's the icing. When you're at war, as the axiom and the old proverb says, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. During World War II, Roosevelt in the U.S. And Churchill, Winston Churchill, joined alliances with Joseph Stalin, the totalitarian dictator who killed millions of people. Not if maybe more. There's dead bodies everywhere. Stalin joined Hitler in 1939 as an, with an alliance, which Hitler broke in 1941 and invaded the Soviet Union. If you remember correctly in history, Anne Frank's diary, when, they, when Germany invaded Poland, it was the Soviet Union. It was Stalin's army. And, you know, Winston Churchill and Hitler were at odds. But Winston and Roosevelt were suspicious of Stalin. But they joined an the alliance that literally defeated Hitler. And they all knew that this common enemy was a greater evil than anything else. So if they could be united, (laughs) so can we. So some of you might be struggling with one another in the community. Well, I don't like this person. I don't like that person. Or we don't have that much in common. I like this band and they don't like that band. This is the culture where we have personality tools like Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram where we study personality. We have all these types of tests to customize to our preferences. Folks, when you go to war with someone, you become closer than your brothers and sisters because you literally, no matter if you like the person or not or the personality or not, they saved your life. That's a bond that goes throughout life as the strongest. When we confess to one another and when we hold each other accountable, when we save each other's lives throughout the hills and the valleys of our lives, forget this feelings, the love that is forged in the battles of our lives against the evil one. If you read this passage carefully, it said in verse 16, Crowds gathered also from towns in Jerusalem, bringing the sick and tormented by impure spirits. Folks, look at our world. Look at our lives. Look at the people around you. It's in peril. It's captive to the enemy's schemes. In darkness, in the absence of a great dream, pettiness prevails. Let's not forget, our fellowship is resolute. Not only because evil exists, but we have a common purpose. Yes, sinners saved by grace, but we're also soldiers of light. This war we're in, we have a mission to defeat a common enemy. So if Joseph Stalin and Winston Churchill and Roosevelt can be united (laughs) whatever differences we have in our lives and we could dream about this elusive idea of friendship and preferences and this dream of traveling together and this and that folks that's secondary, that's peripheral in this chapter of the book of Acts, darkness looms yes, there will be great moments and we'll go into that but I pray that the Holy Spirit today will remind you again in your discouragement. Or maybe this utopian idea of Seinfeld and friends and how and your mother. Yes, that's great. We see that in the Bible, love abounds. But remember, context is the mother of urgency. That's contrast is the mother of clarity. The context is we're at war, and that's why our fellowship is strong as our bond because what? We have a mission. Our fellowship is not recreational primarily, it's missional. We need to fight together, not fight against each other. This country is fighting against each other in democracy, as it's been told, right? what? Perish from the inside, not the outside. We've defeated all our enemies. Our greatest enemy is what? Is our own pettiness. The enemy will use our pettiness against us. And I pray today the Spirit of God would remind you the great dream of leading and joining Jesus against the campaign of sabotage. And you would join today, you would forget the pettiness, the preferences. Google and Facebook will make us king, but we have to make Jesus king and put the mission first, the kingdom of God first. And the Bible tells us all these things shall be added unto you. And I pray that if you're distracted from the mission, get back on the mission. Our fellowship is not meant primarily for recreation, but mission. So as we close today, and will you pray with me today, as you lift your hands to the Lord, I want to pray that if you are discouraged and in darkness, I want to rebuke in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ right now. I want to bind every harassing thought, every feeling of depression that the enemy might be entangling you with, sin, whatever it may be. I want to break it in the name of Jesus right now. I want to pray for you that you would be reminded that you are not alone. You have brothers and sisters in the trenches with you today. Yes, you're being shot at. Why? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of evil that is in control and taking this world captive. And I break that today in Jesus' name. And I pray that you would open your eyes the malaise would lift and realize that God is calling you to the forefront of the battle to set people free, to use your gifts, to bring light in the darkness. Amen. Praise the Lord. So
1: Pastor Lydia, um, I just kind of wanted to open up this conversation in regards to, well, firstly, that I really like how as a church we're, learning a lot and gleaning a lot of wisdom from how the early church in its establishment um, is a, is kind of like a lens by which we can reflect the, I guess the past context with our present context and how we can really emulate and um, represent how the early church has been changing lives and really changing the world uh, in the beginning of its um, Genesis, right? So in the, in the beginning of it's being founded uh, by the early disciple or by the disciples. And so, um, you know, Dr. Tammy is leading us through the book of acts and, you know, I'm learning a lot about it in the sense that, you know, how we can shift that past context to our present context. Mm -hmm. And in regards to the sermon, I think one of the things that kind of struck me is that, you know, as we're looking at the similarities and dissimilarities between, uh, the present day and the, and the past, that, I think Dr. Sammy pointed out that there is sort of like this difference between us in that there is a there is this kind of a lack of urgency in regards to what is universally true about mm-hmm. a reality. Right. Like the nature of a war between good and evil. Um, mm-hmm. And this is not something I feel like I personally even really think about a lot that we are in that context mm-hmm. of a, a war being waged because of, you know, the the, the small details of the day to day life that we live, right? And so, you know, I just wanted to get your thoughts on ab- about it as well, because, you know, I think in regards to, um, good and evil, it's not something that always kind of comes up in our thoughts, I guess, as a, as for me as an individual, but maybe Dr. Sammy is also addressing as a collective, like as a, as the fellowship today, like maybe we're not really thinking about, um, the fact that we are kind of kind of caught up in the midst of a of a war with you know the enemy and us trying to be followers of Christ um and wage this campaign of sabotage right uh, mm. so yeah i just want to get your thoughts about it um because i thought this sermon was really powerful um and really in regards to um how you also see i guess the differences between the early church and the church today
3: yeah. You know, I also love this, um, you know, learning through the Bible, the book of Acts, because it's so powerful. Like Sam said, it is giving us a mirror to understand um, and to see through um, the things that probably we would be oblivious to living in the modern age, you know,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and see through kingdomized. And, you know, last podcast was really about why, um, why community exists because evil exists, right? Mm-hmm. And the talk about sin has a way of bringing about reality of the things that we don't really think about, the things that we might want to ignore, things might, we might be running away. But when the word sin comes in, it has a way of kind of, Regrounding us or re examining us, and I just feel like, in the same way, like there's an urgency that comes when you kind of, um, I guess, uh, confront and prick or even expose the things that are on the inside, right? right. Yeah, and to remind, to be reminded, and to remind people that there is freedom and that community is the answer to that, and so to today, I just felt like it's such a good transition into why the fellowship exists, because again, just like sin has a way of kind of awakening us from like a like a slumber of some sort, um, from reality of who we are apart from Christ and apart from uh, the community. It has a way of kind of awakening us to the reality. Okay. that What exactly is fellowship and why does it exist? And again, fellowship exists because evil exists and also fellowship exists because, well, the mission is important. Mm. It's urgent. So again, it's like talking about the urgency of it in spite of everything else that's happening in this earthly realm, you know? Mm. And, I think for me, watching the Lord of the Rings, um, we've been watching the Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, with the family and seeing the fellowship of the ring and what the hobbits, the elves and the dwarves and the humans are going through to get this one mission accomplished, to get rid of the ring, um, in the right place. It becomes their mission and every difference around them becomes really really uh subject i guess like it becomes very peripheral compared to this goal Mm. of accomplishing this mission and i just feel like you know sometimes sam and i have these walk you know when we walk we talk about these things and you know how warfare has been affecting us and even discovering that it's warfare and not just pettiness you know those things come up in our conversation all the time and it kind of we we were talking about how like you know sam was saying you know, the Lord of the Rings is such a macro, it's such a, like, Tolkien does such a great job of creating, um like, a visual and understanding in every way, like, a macro picture of what our Christian life really is. Right. And if you watch the Lord of the Rings, or if you watch the synapses, or, you know, <laughs> whatever what the case, because you told me you never watched no, it, but you know it. cheat
1: sheet for Lord of the Rings.
3: Yeah. But as you see on the scene, it's like they're, they're haunting parts because darkness looms, you know?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And, um, you could hear it through the soundtrack. You could hear it through the pictures. You could hear it through the acting, like the story, the narrative. It is not one of those, you know, Oh, it's so nice. Like, you know, like my little pony kind of show about friendship. Mm-hmm. It's not. It, there's a greater thing at risk. And, um, there's an urgency. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's those are my thoughts initially about, you know, the whole message and the importance of this message and why it's so crucial, I think, now moving forward, not just because it's the pandemic, not because of the restlessness, but be, moving forward as a believer, um, also as a bearer of the gospel to others. Mm. I mean those are my
1: thoughts. Right. I think what you say about the urgency about how like when you are confronted with sin or even when you're confronted with the fact that evil is kind of afoot in our world today, you know, these are usually things that I feel personally that, you know, I could be kind of dismissive of. You know, like I don't necessarily always think about um, is there something that's leading me astray in terms of the sins that I feel like I'm committing or I'm tempted towards nor do I really think about evil in that same sense. But, you know, I think you're absolutely right in, in that when we think about these things or when we are confronted about these things, there's something that happens in my heart where I feel like, Oh, you know, this is. um, Important. Exactly. I was going to say important, but (laughs) maybe, maybe there's another word, but no, you're right. It's like, it's really important, right? Like this is like, the larger things in our lives that, you know, we, I might not really pay mind to, but it Mm. is a, it is a gripping reality, right?
3: Yeah. I think a lot of times we don't want to think about spiritual warfare or the reality that there's a concierge spirit at work constantly until we go to be in God's country in heaven Mm. with the father and Jesus. Like we don't want to think about these things that kind of set reality back into our hearts and our lives at, because it's unpleasant, you know, right. and we could go into, you know, uh, all the reasons why it feels unpleasant. But I think that if we're waking up by it, it actually brings a liberty of freedom and agency that we felt um, we didn't have. When we're under attack or when we're actually blinded by it or unaware of it. So I think, um, you know, I'm reminded of Hebrews 12, when the writer says that discipline of all sort is unpleasant at the time when you're going through it, but it actually reaps a harvest, you know, for eternity. So it's, yeah, in the moment, it sucks to come to that. But if we could not run from it, but actually understand it, I think that we can really um, live this life to the full and full agency, full freedom that Christ has given us. Hmm. So, yes, very excited.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely stirred something within me. And, you know, I think um, one of the major points that I think Dr. Sammy was addressing is the is the matter of pettiness. Right. Right. and in regards to pettiness i think he was talking about how well what i what i think i got out of it was that you know pettiness seeks to isolate um it like divides and conquers within the fellowship and it kind of like has come or like there are times where it comes up where it kind of detracts from god's mission right and you know Mm -hmm. one of my immediate thoughts was when i was trying to reflect on this myself was you know am i a petty person right like yeah. Is like, th- does pettiness prevail in my life? Um, and I'm, am I missing the bigger picture in regards to what God is trying to do? And, you know, um, I guess I, I wanted to ask in that vein as a fellowship, you know, if we are, you know, succumb to the petty things or like the small disagreements or inconveniences amongst each other, like how do we, like, like described in Acts, how do we become a fellowship that is of one mind and one heart? Aligning to God's mission.
3: Yeah. Well, I think pettiness for such a small thing that it is, it's very, um, it's, I guess the word that Sam uses a lot is ubiquitous and that it's like everywhere in different forms,
4: right?
3: Mm. We see pettiness in marriage. Uh, we see pettiness in relationships, uh, and, um, we see pettiness in churches, um, which it's this specifically talking about. But, you know, pettiness in a community could also be led by marital pettiness or in relationships that are within the community. Like, so what exactly, um, pettiness is, I think maybe we could kind of go into it. Mm. It could be from, you know, yeah, I'm just annoyed because they're, they're so hyper and I'm kind of like the chill type, you know, or I can't really hang with that person. I mean, there's that pettiness. When we say that out loud, it's like, wow, that's so petty. Like, oh man, like keep that to your, keep that to myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the thing is, in the end, that's kind of what it comes down to. It comes about really the root of pettiness is preferences, right? Mm, yeah however the preferences are formed um or it could be yeah I don't eat that so I am not gonna you know I'm not gonna hang out with you guys or I don't think that I could come to that gathering you know however important the other it's kind of like you get there's a pettiness of missing the point and there's a pettiness of getting annoyed because someone is missing the point (laughs) you know and then um also, there's headiness in the church for you know people who have been in the church for a long time. There will be complaint about not enough fellowship. And I and I love that we're gonna go into what exactly the fellowship of the believer is. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, so having said that and the preaching was on it already, like so yeah, it's like, oh, I don't really like the church because they don't fellowship enough, you know. Um or there there will be people who will say, oh, I don't like that church. I don't like going to church because they worship too much. It's too long. And I've heard the other end like, oh, I don't like to go to church because the worship is too short. I'm looking for a longer time of worship. So all preferences, right? I love that the message, um, what it covers is, okay, you could have your differences. You could have your preferences, great. But if it's getting if we don't uh, become aware that actually we're fighting all fighting as believers, we're meant to fight the same war, the same enemy, then there has to come to a place and a point where all this stuff doesn't really matter. And we kind of get back in line. You know what yeah. I mean? I think that's kind of like the, I guess the crux of um, the whole point of pettiness, you know, understanding like, all right, you're not really fond of that person, but you know what? Well, because evil exists, you're not crazy about that person and your accountability. And we talked about it last week. Like, You're not crazy about your accountability group because, I don't know, you don't like how they're acting and maybe because you're annoyed because you didn't get your me time. But here's a sin that's kind of on your heart and on your mind. Confess it, you know? Because in the end, it doesn't really... It's not going against safety. It's really going against preference. But in the same way about fellowship, you know, why pettiness exists and how does it look like? But I love that Sam is talking about in a way where you are in a relationship that you, where you love the person even, like for example, your wife, you know, or I mean, you know, or my husband, mm-hmm. or, you know, in a, ma- in a marriage, you know, like, love relationships even yeah. or friendship in the belief in among the believers, there's pettiness there. So what do you do then? I think it gives us a lens to kind of discern that we're on the same side. Let's also acknowledge that we're on the same side and that perhaps there's an attack through pettiness, you know, because where mm. else is the enemy going right? to, right? He's going to use this is of us. And he's going to use the modern things that make us, I guess, less aware to his advantage. So,
1: mm.
3: yeah.
1: I see. So it, it seems like a lot of, it seems like because pettiness is about preference and how people or, you know, the church is supposed to cater to an individual. We all have some elements of, you know, like petty feelings regarding uh, I guess how things should be or like expectations about what a fellowship should be, right? Um, but, you know, I, I guess in regards to that, uh, how or how, like, it seems like what I'm getting from what you were just saying is that the point of mission and the purpose of the fellowship is to not be fixated on, you know, catering to the preferences, but putting that aside. So that we can make space for what is of utmost importance or of utmost priority in regards to God's mission, right? It's like putting that purpose first um, before any of our small nitpicky, like, feelings or, you know, um, petty thoughts about how things should be.
3: Right. It's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because the Father already knows our needs and all the things we need will be added unto us. Mm. I think a lot of times the church, you know, I love that Sam used the pronoun we as a fellowship. And when he's saying, why do we need fellowship of the believer? Or um, when he, I guess, personifies saying we, it's really talking about a group of people that are believers, on the same fight, on the same side, that kind of missed a point sometimes, right? right. Um, why we need this is because we tend to forget. Mm. And we tend to um, kind of, you know, and I think this is kind of sad, but like a lot of times tailoring to the needs to please people in their needs and in their differences a lot of times becomes the mission or takes up a lot of the percentage of the energy and time that really is meant to go into the focus, which is the mission in fathering or in a fellowship of believers. So, you know, and I love that, you know, it's not that we're not meant to enjoy each other's company, but Sam calls it the icing. You know, like chocolate cake is good, but man, when there's icing, it's even better. You know, right. it's beautiful. It's well-decorated. It's so, it's such a nice thing to be able to eat chocolate cake and to have icing all at the same time. Wow. Sprinkles, that's even better. You know what I mean? Right. But I think a lot of times we're stirring icing when we're trying to get the cake out, you know? so. Um, but sadly, a lot of times, a lot of energy is spent on the icing and how perfect the icing should be right. in order for the change to happen. So I think it's trying to prevent the the Acts, um, the chapter of the mirror of the book of Acts of the early church is trying to prevent is helping us prevent from making that mistake again.
1: Right, because no one really wants a plate of icing at the end, or like that's just not really good for you like you would want the icing with the cake. Yes. Right.
3: And you know, even if you want a cup of icing, because that's all you care about, well then kind of missing the point of this conversation. Here. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's the world we live in. That's kind of how the conversation goes nowadays. Yeah. I,
1: I think that is kind of like the unfortunate reality that I'm sort of growing awareness to. It's like these small things kind of, unfortunately end up consuming us right like we can get caught up so much on like the small inconveniences or petty things that we it like totally deviates from what the whole point of the fellowship was from the from the beginning of its existence right like it is supposed to be an equal and opposite force to the evil things in this world and to the forces of darkness that we're occupied occupied by right like this is the world we live in
3: right um Exactly. And, you know, I would even say like, okay, (laughs) just in case the whole icing thing just flew by some people who are are like, you know, I'm not a dessert person. I'm not, you know, I checked out. Well, let's put it this way, right? Whether you're, you could call it your protein and the sauce of that steak or that protein. Okay. Like you don't want to focus on the sauce. You know, you want to focus on the protein so that the sauce really complements it Mm -hmm. well. But I'm just transitioning over that. Sam called it the secret sauce. You know, so let's go back to the secret sauce.
1: And the secret sauce here being the fact that we know or like the early church knew that there was war. Right. Like there at the end of the day it didn't matter how different they were or like what kind of personalities were on the side of the kingdom. It was, it was a matter of this side versus that side, which is, you know, God versus evil, right. Or good versus evil at the end of the day.
3: Yeah. And I love that Sam, I mean, I think it's all of it. And I think Sam talked about this too. He said that, you know, those who die in the horror movies first or in these you know, these novels are the ones who go, no, I'm above it. No, they won't say I'm above it, but they will say, no, this doesn't apply to me. You know, I think this is for others. You know, this doesn't really fit into my, you know, life, uh, life board or my agenda. And people who ignore it and end up getting confronted by it are freaked out and will sometimes are killed by, I guess, the evil in the movie, or or they just kind of have a way of losing losing the battle, you mm-hmm. know, or kind of peering into um, irrelevance. And as sad and as a pleasant as that is, that does happen in the kingdom of God, where in fellowships of believers, where when you become selective of the reality of life, in Christ, living in Christ, and knowing that this is a war, there is a, you know, it's kind of like you are being, you know, it's not like just because you don't believe it, it's not happening.
4: Right. You yeah. know?
3: And after teaching and warnings and exemptions or exceptions, there is a sense of irrelevance that sets in. And even if, they're not leaving the church. There are so many people in the church that are checked out and constantly being beaten by the malaise and by, and are constantly being shot at because there's no covering of understanding or even acknowledgement of truth, mm. you know? So there is that aspect. I think it's important. Um, again, the, the first century is giving us a mirror to examine, but to also really examine, like, where am I in this fight? Like, am I really embracing that I am a warrior? Or am I kind of pointing fingers and saying they're warriors, but not me? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think it, it is addressing all, not just the spiritual, not just those type of Christians, but it's actually addressing the whole fellowship of believers, Mm. you know? So I think it's very comprehensive in that it's trying to wake up all of us, not some of us.
1: Right. Um, I guess in in terms of that, I was, I'm just wondering how I, well, this might be a little bit of a specific, but if you do find yourself, like, let's say in the context of a war, right. Um, And harassment and pettiness is like us or like spiritual warfare is like, the soldiers are being attacked, right? Like they're being shot at. Um, and readiness mm-hmm. might look like if one of the soldiers are like, "Why am I getting shot at?" Uh, mm-hmm. I guess, I guess it's like, how do you wake or awaken to the fact that we are under spiritual warfare or that we are being attacked, right? Like, how do we, like, like what is the what does that process look like? How do we wake ourselves up to this reality that, like we are in battle or we are in like our confusion is not just like isolated or, you know, cause I think the reason why I asked that is like, you know, oftentimes, you know, when I do feel like a lot of heaviness or a lot of darkness in my life, sometimes I'll just dismiss it and be like, it's just me overreacting or I'm just anxious or like, you know, these, these things come up where it just like further isolates the experience that I'm having. Um, And I guess I'm wondering how do we break out of that isolation?
3: Right. I was just going to say that um, the question wouldn't necessarily be why am I always being shot at, but it would actually become a personal experience, like um, more internalized, like discouragement, feeling discouraged that things are not going well all the time or that often um, Mm -hmm. or discouragement that you feel, you know, you've, Feel overwhelming. Um, I mean, I think discouragement is a huge thing, right? I think that's what you're describing yeah. there. Um, feeling discouraged of things not being the way that it should be. And if the question you're asking, and I think we're asking it, is well, how do we combat that? How do we overcome mm-hmm. that? I think um, it, Goes back to the message when Sam talks about, you know, we're always asking certain questions of why. You know,
4: Mm
3: -hmm. I forget, you know, I forget who said this, but I think you know the, you know, the uh, substance of the conversation by the questions asked, not answers always. But I think questions are so important in that what you're asking actually helps you get to the next point or to the next door, or to the next level. And I think a lot of times the questions we're asking are kind of the trap itself. You know, like, for example, you know, Sam started the message, they're good questions, and then they're bad questions, no matter how much people say, well, there's no bad question. I think that's really about you can ask any question. But let it lead to a learning experience, right? So, for example, Sam is preaching the message from the perspective of asking the question, why does the fellowship of the believer exist? Well, the fellowship of the believer exists because evil exists. Mm. That is a good question because it helps us understand, you know. Okay, well, why do we exist? What exactly is our purpose? And why does this happen, Mm. right? But And what does this happen? Sometimes could be asked in this way for almost like for a lifetime in a way where it doesn't get answered. Like have you ever asked, like, um, it's kind of, um, the discouraging tone or feeling of constantly feeling things are not going well for Mm -hmm. me. And it's like, why does this always happen to me? You know? And, um, I love what Sam said is that, you know, sometimes we ask all these why questions. We'll never have the answer to per se, Mm -hmm. right? But like the personal, these personal questions, right? That kind of digs into the pity well and not really the knowledge well of overcoming, Mm -hmm. right? Like digging into self-pity constantly. But actually the question, uh, there are questions, well, why does the fellowship exist? well because there's a war okay so why are you being attacked well because god has a plan for your life you know so there are answers provided mm-hmm. for that i think the answers provided in the in the growing mindset of that learning experience give people the answers to actually break out of the discouragement and malaise. And I think that's the part where people don't really get to because people are so caught up sometimes in the fact that like, this sucks. Mm. Like my life sucks. Like life in Christ sucks. Like why do I have to get attacked? Because, you know, I'm following Christ. And then there's this whole like cycle of thoughts and grief, but really the point of, Asking, why does, why do I exist in this fellowship? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, why am I getting attacked? It's very different, I think. I guess in the end, it could be the same wording, but really the focus and the tone of where the focus is, um, whether it's addressing and pointing the arrow to pity, self-pity, or is it really pointing the arrow to Freedom and, um, breaking through. Like we call a lot of breaks. We call it breakthroughs when warfare gets broken yeah. in the name of this. And there's an acknowledgement or an awareness that comes, um, together in Jesus' name. So I think I, like, that's the part, like, that really excited me about the message is that I think God is really trying to use the mirror of the, the early church to help us to know that it, despite all, yeah, all this is happening. Because let's remember and let's learn. Maybe for the first time for some of us, it's a war. But also it's the God's kingdom on this earth in this war is his kingdom is here, but also not yet, you know. So recognizing, I think, I don't know. I don't like using fancy words, but like just the juxtaposition of two things being next to Mm -hmm. each other. Like living in that reality and conflict, but acknowledging that you can experience both, you know, is I think where God is trying to get us above and beyond the pettiness, above and beyond this little place where we always get stuck every time in our thoughts. And to take us to a place, well, malaise has been happening, the the attacks have been happening, well, because you matter. Mm -hmm. God has a plan for your life. There's something God is trying to do in your life. The enemy has been really pulling the same string against you or pulling the same trap against you because, well, you've been falling under it. So with with this knowledge, you and I are at war. We're on the same team here. Let's fight, not each other. Let's not fight the petty uh, petty things of this world, but let's fix our eyes on Jesus and the things unseen and let's live for this kingdom. You know, living for the kingdom, choosing into the kingdom, and taking action towards the kingdom actually has a way of like it gives you power to like it makes you race through this. You know, I, I everybody I used to play like Nintendo. I know, guys, it's so old, right? But I remember when Mario first came out. I used to be really good on the first part where you're getting the first. <laughs> maybe some people are so oh, lost listen. in this but you'll understand the stuff. but you know you get the first mushroom and you get really big and you get powers and you're like yeah. <laughs> and then you're underground and I always fell into this one chimney and I'm like oh man I thought I jumped yeah. higher but you know you get better at it after a while after falling into it several times you kind of realize you have to back away and mm-hmm. jump mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean the knowledge that comes, so, yeah, and then when you get back onto the next level of to where the sun is out, it's amazing because you're like, yes, I overcame that level. But in the same way, we're always, like, falling into the same chimney, but this mirror gives us knowledge to overcome by reassessing and realigning and reengaging to our purpose, mm. you know? So it's like it's a it's a message for leveling up. And, you know, on the other side of it, and those of you who have overcome warfare in moments, you know, dynamic warfare or, you know, long term warfare, you know what this feels like. But it feels like breakthrough because you're literally breaking through a fog. You're literally breaking through resistance, no matter what the circumstance was whether it's within or without, like there's a breakthrough that comes and a freedom and actually malaise breaks as a result. So knowledge does set free, um, our hearts, our minds, our lives, you know? So I think it's that, and I guess just the other thing that I've been thinking about in all of this. So, sorry, Joe, I think I kind of forgot the question, but I'm just like, this is an example, you know, I was waiting, um, I was waiting for an oil change and, you know, there's no inside sitting room. So with, uh, with our mask on, we're just kind of waiting at, you know, like in the heat where the street was and me, I'm always looking around to see if there's any greenery anywhere. And it's like one of those, like, it's not the most beautiful street, but I was amazed that I found this really beautiful, edible, healthy for you pretty green called Purslane. And um I was like, oh, this is like being considered a weed here. I, I need to like kind of harvest mm-hmm. this so that I could plant it in my uh yeah. <laughs> garden. Yeah. And then um as I was scoping out the area of this goodness that was there, I also realized that, that like not too far away there were some dirty stuff as well like garbage and you know dog dropping you know and so because before you pick you kind of have to understand where you are right and I will say next to it like there were there were vines of poison ivy so it gave me awareness to pick purslane without getting myself caught up in all this other trash and poison you know and I think that's kind of the life that we have to acknowledge in this Mm. life. Denial is not going to cut it anymore. You know, we have to acknowledge in life in Christ that it is the kingdom is here. God's kingdom is here because God walks with us and he's present with us. But guess what? The enemy is the ruler of this world. But the reality is God is greater than the one who is in this world. You know, and then, and um, scripture promises us and teaches us that the anointing of Jesus, the presence of Jesus will teach us into all things that we need to know. And that's why the fellowship exists, right? So I think reassessing, um, is what's really important in order to prevent and also to overcome. Because denial is not going to cut it anymore. We will find goodness next to poison ivy. And a lot of times we focus on the poison ivy, like, oh man, that sucked. Why does it have to be there? Like, why did I have to touch that? Like, I didn't know it was there. Well, I think God's giving us the mirror to come to an awakening. Like, this exists. Don't say, I didn't tell you so. I'm trying to teach you and I've told you so. And it's in the word. It's in the narrative. They were under persecution, but they were really flourishing at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know? And you know, so the reality check, I think is so important mm. for us as believers. What the fellowship is. Fellowship is not breaking bread with one another. That's the icing on the cake. We break bread so that we can, we can get to know each other for the sake of war. But when war and battles are happening, we get up the same despite how you dip your bread, how you break your bread, whether you eat gluten yeah. or not. We're all on the same team. And I think that's what the, the message and the scriptures addressing. So that's my uh, garden input right there. Yeah, I
1: mean, that makes a lot of sense because I'm thinking, you know, if we, like, because Dr. Sammy did make a point that if we kind of live as if, you know, evil does not exist or if we're kind of dismissive of it and we're just going or navigating through our lives confused about why things are happening to us all the time, it, it is kind of a, stupid or foolish way to go about it, right? Because that's that's kind of what I got from the poison ivy analogy is that, you know, if we just, like, rush in there and, like, want the good stuff and then, like, there's clearly poison ivy, but we just, like, handle it poorly or, like, mishandle it and we're, like, poison ivy gets all over us, like, obviously, it's going to affect us, right? Like we, And, like, we don't always have that kind of awareness that that's what's happening to us in our daily lives.
3: Yeah, and also being clear what the objective was. The objective was to um, to recognize that there's a mission. But I think also a lot of times people get stuck here too on this level where they recognize the poison ivy is mm. there. They remove it so that they get their agenda finished a lot of times and kind of forget again that we're in a war, cosmic war together as believers, as a fellowship. Not for you for your gain, not for me for my gain, but ultimately those things God knows already we need them, but we're all together meant to seek the kingdom of God and to accomplish the mission of God. Because again, God is God's presence is here, but actually his salvation plan that he, um, his plan of design and also execution and demonstration of God's love to Christ 2000 years ago. Well, it's still in effect. You know, a lot of times people kind of recognize, oh, OK, so that's been happening because the bad stuff people will say, like in very general language, people say, well, the bad stuff, the attacks have been happening because um, we're at war. So let me acknowledge that and let me continue with my plan. But I think that's the thing. The thing about war is we there's one plan and it's to make it out alive together. And to accomplish, to combat evil together. And I think, you know, it's, I think it's important to acknowledge that. That the point is to not recognize there's poison ivy. point is that let's recognize the poison ivy so that we can accomplish what we came here for, what we're on earth for. Mm which is the purpose. And it's not your purpose, my purpose, and it all looks so different. You no, know, actually, we have one calling and one purpose, which is to be which is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, no matter what status, how dep- deprived you are that you're trying to survive and to find security in life, to how well off you are that you don't really need much and you just feel like you Need purpose to have an understanding of your wealth. It doesn't really matter different culture, all that. In Christ, there's one mission, and it's the mission mm-hmm. of God. You know, so I think that's also important because, you know, don't you know the, don't don't you do that with things? Like I know I do. I kind of like forget because I get so excited on one thing that I kind of forget the big picture. Right. And I guess the analogy is you forget the. Wait, let me think about this before I say it backwards. <laughs> Miss the forest from the trees. You are leveling up when you come to understand the big macro picture of this cosmic battle of the here, not yet. Not if you find another safe tree to go under for your next right. plan. This is about God's plan, you right. know?
1: I kind of want to get... um into the whole, like you know, like working as a team, because that's that's kind of what the message I'm getting from what you were saying is that let's not miss the fact that we are a team and that we are living this one life for Christ together, um, it, for the sake of the mission. But I think um uh, before I wanted to ask about that, I kind of also wanted to ask about perhaps the other side of the spectrum, you know, because like in regards to like harassment and the spiritual attacks and stuff like that. Um uh, like
4: because
1: mm-hmm. I guess there's moments where you, you get spiritually attacked or there are, there are instances where mm-hmm. this battle is being waged. but should we also be alarmed uh-huh. if like if we're not aware that there is a spiritual attack or like if there's it doesn't seem like we're being harassed and stuff like that? I, I'm just wondering uh-huh. if there's like if this is like two sides to the oh, same coin kind yeah. of thing.
3: Um, if I think what you're asking is, what if you're unaware that you're yeah, being so attacked? Yeah, so like
1: it's it's like one thing to be like, why is this happening to me? As opposed to like just kind of nonchalantly not being alarmed about anything in your life, right?
3: Yeah. yeah, I think there's two spectrums of that, and um, and then in between the nuance of it is like, in the end, we're talking about warfare. But like, let's say everything seems to be going well. Like it's like that song, Desert Song, the third verse. It's like.
4: Yeah. providence mm-hmm. and
3: wealth everything flourishing and then it talks about how in you know we've been blessed to be a blessing and it brings perspective to the providence and the provision and the flourishing but when things are really going well um you forget that
4: yeah. there's yeah. a war
3: you know that happens. you know it's like oh everything's like going really well so this might mean that actually whatever is happening, whatever I'm doing, I must be doing right. And I could probably keep going on this stuff, you know? But as we know, like, so there's that spectrum. And then there's the other spectrum of like, nothing is going well. So how could this be spiritual warfare? Like, are you saying that if we overcome spiritual warfare, everything's going to get better? And I think there's that assumption Hmm. also. Um, But I guess I could kind of explain it from my standpoint with this because I keep remembering this, but you know, a lot of, you know, people are growing a lot of plants and people are in love with homegrown plants and gardening nowadays, especially, you know, but so if you never encounter poison ivy, it, you won't know. Like, I know there's a saying like three leaves, like red stuff know. on the there's poison that. ivy. No, I think it's like three leaves, don't touch. There's oh. like a saying, like a boy scout thing. I don't know. You say so that when you're in the wilderness, you don't come across poison ivy. But if you ask most people, people won't know. It looks like a beautiful three-leaved leaf that binds so beautifully, like some English, you know, ivy in the, you know, in the middle of like I don't know Cotswold yeah. or something. But it looks beautiful, and I remember some t- one time, um someone was gardening, and i i mentioned like hey watch out for the poison ivy actually i've been this happened to me where i was like cleaning out the garden you know years ago when i started gardening and then um i was like oh i could do it with my bare hands who needs gloves like let me just get this done and i was like wow it's so clean it looks so good i can start planting now and guess what i was uprooting the whole time
1: poison ivy <laughs> no. yes
3: and i um, you would think, like, why would that be in your house? But, well, people, it's it's there. Mm. It grows everywhere. So, yeah, here I was, uprooting poison ivy with my hands. Like, a day later, I'm like, I look like it was blisters everywhere on my arm because it got everywhere, like everywhere. And it was oh, so painful. Then anyway, it happened to me because I thought I wasn't yeah, aware, yeah. Right. And I tell people like, oh, watch out for poison ivy. It looks like this. And I'll send them a picture and they're like, wow, that's really pretty. I would have never mm-hmm. recognized that. You know, I just thought it was just a vine. with let it flourish. But I think a lot of that's the thing. A lot of people won't know, you know, when things are going well or when things are horrible. So how do we recognize when it's actually, you know, warfare? Well, I think the teaching is necessary. It's not that you just sense out of nowhere. You know, I think that's why preaching is necessary because it brings our focus back to Christ. And that's why I think the church, um, also synonymous to the fellowship of believers, is also important, which Sam talked about. You know, a lot of these things, you think you are an exception, you will know on your own as long as you keep sacredness in life. And there's a lot of talk about sacred time of me time and sacred space, but there's nothing sacred apart from Christ and the design and the plan Christ already laid out, whether it's through the fellowship of the believers and the gathering of believers, teaching and um, growing in the knowledge of believers. So in the same way that we're open to this discussion through the platform or podcast about the message, because there is a mirror being given to us to understand warfare and context, and this life in context of right. war. Right. So I would say you have to talk about it. You know, it's not that someone's going to recognize it, but you see patterns. And this is why fellowship is so good in that. Yes. Before we get to the team aspect, like you can't fight if you don't know what the enemy is. So I think for all levels and people in all spectrum understanding that okay there is an enemy and that denial is not gonna cut it, I think that's important. And growing in the teaching um consecutively, just learning through the word, I think that's important. That the pettiness that you've been struggling with, like whether and I hope that we go into that like what it really yeah. boils like, well boils within. Um, but yeah, I think that's why we learn. It should not be assumed that we should know. You know, when, um, John is talking about the anointing of Jesus will teach us all things we need to know, he's talking about not isolated believers. He's talking about the fellowship of the believers. It's already given in context that the church exists, you know, to help each other, to fight battles together. So it's never a me game. It's never an isolated game. Um, so, yeah, I think that's why we're talking about it, to bring awareness to it so that you coming across poison ivy, thinking it's going to be this beautiful vine that's going to cover your beautiful, fe- like, your ugly fence is not going to be the answer to or the solution to the problem, mm. you know? So, yeah, I think... That's where we have to mm. learn about it. So yeah.
1: similarly to how we're learning from the early church and the disciples, it's the team effort here is also learning and reflecting off each other at um, processes. Yes.
3: yes. Yes. And bringing light into the darkness
4: mm, yeah. for each
3: other. We will recognize, like, hey, you know that struggle. Or, you know, a lot of times I think it might kind of go like a lot of times we don't know internally what people are thinking because they will only say what they're saying, whether it's, um, you know, something that they want to express or something. It, it might come, but not in full context, right? It's really what's going on on the inside. And I think that's why confession is so important, because you can really know what's mm-hmm. going on the inside when you actually speak up about it or confess it. Like a lot of times warfare is discerned when someone str- sh- explains their struggle and it might go something like this, like, Hey, you know, I've been really struggling with these thoughts of feeling like, you know, I don't really like that person. Um, I felt really hurt by that person or I felt, you know, that I, I was disregarded by that person. I felt like that person didn't even acknowledge me when they didn't see me for a long time. Um, or, and, you know, and I got to start thinking about, um, how that person has treated me in the past. So it has a way of internally kind of like building its own narrative, but when we confess it to someone or to the fellowship, the conversation could look like, really, why do you think you've been feeling that way? You know? Well, I don't know because this one thing happened and it kind of triggered something in me, and I felt the person in the end like doesn't like me, and I'm trying to decide what I want to do about that. Like, you know, I mean, given that conversations are never that
5: yeah brief <laughs> or
3: straightforward, <laughs> yeah or straightforward. Oh. Uh, maybe it is for some because you've been yeah. practicing this, but. Um often that will happen and now through the learning and through the mirror image that there's persecution and harassment of the enemy, you can say, is it possible that what you felt is actually spiritual warfare, is what the enemy wants you to feel through mm. his eyes of his plan and not really the reality because you know, and this might not always happen, but like, you know, because I, I know that person really I remember the person speaking highly of you, of how they respect you, you know, or they love you or, you know, and maybe that re- reference is not there. And it's just about the fact that, well, these thoughts don't really seem like, forget healthy thoughts, unhealthy thoughts, but it sounds like it's coming from the enemy. Enemy has a plan, I think, to divide you guys up um, so that in the end you feel like you're alone again, you know? And then the other person hearing that will deny that. Like, I guess we could do a fast (laughs) forward (laughs) version. Like, I don't think so. I don't think so. I felt this for a long time. I know I'm right. Well, and the other person will say, well, you know what? Why don't we pray? Like, why don't we rebuke the enemy? Because the Bible says, and you could say, no, Pileg, you would say that. But now you can say that because that's what the Bible says. says take Take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So I know that these thoughts are not necessarily thoughts that I want, but whether it enemy or not, let's pray, let's rebuke mm. the enemy, you know, and bring prayer into the conversation and the fellowship of believers. And you know what? Nine out of 10, I would say, okay, that's like mm. a percentage, but you know what I mean? Majority, um, it will defeat and there will be a breakthrough of literally false lenses coming off as a result and feelings of division and feelings of isolation and discouragement and feeling unworthy and unloved, all those things kind of break off. And then the next, um I guess the follow-up will be, well, there is a plan that God has. So enemy has a plan. So, and here's, I guess this is the part where we're getting to is, I mean, the message has already um, spoken about is that there must be an attack because the enemy is trying to go against some kind of plan. God's trying to campaign so that it's about the rightful king landing, his perspective, because he has a plan in mind for you and I in this mission. Well, the enemy is probably sending snipers to probably cut us out of, of that plan as far this as closest as far this as it can. So that conversation is necessary, but it cannot be ha- had without acknowledging that
0: mm-hmm. there is
3: a war. You know, and the war is really against pettiness in relationship and of um, how that socialization help. I mean, hurts within internalized Mm. feelings you know slighted feeling neglected you know feeling annoyed
4: like
1: yeah so like truth and prayer as a community is is like a really great way to just kind of cover your bases based off the fact 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 that (laughs) based off the fact that Mm. um like enemy attacks and spiritual warfare we can kind of see as sort of like a counter insurgency as in like you know clearly because the enemy and evil is existent in our world and Jesus came to like bring light to darkness, it's it's like a retaliation from the enemy that we are experiencing spiritual warfare. And so like prayer as a community and prayer uh, in the context of truth and like biblically is, is just a way to like hedge our bets against those attacks.
3: Yeah. It's funny you said you said fat and then yeah. use said fact That's the other image that, um, I was thinking about, cause, um, I think is a uh, with steak and the marvelization uh-huh, of yeah. fatness <laughs> in percentage or like contextually, like the percentage of, I think the question that might, you know what, it's like mm. layers in my head, but, um, one of them being if, um, yeah, one of them being, I think every level, there is a level of a good steak, you know, and a good steak has great marbleization, great, great fat tastes great, but too much fat on the side, there is a sense you have to cut that off. Because that's just going to burn mm-hmm. into flames mm-hmm. on the grill and create, a, you know, inflame a fire that you don't want, which actually hurts the taste of steak. I've actually been studying like oh, grilling, Joe. Well, <laughs> oh thank <approve>. you for <laughs> my oh thank you but um but i guess like my point is a lot of times every level of overcoming in knowledge and breakthrough there is that layer excess layer of fat which comes in spiritual battle i think in war and context comes with a, like a layer of fear like every level has a mm-hmm. layer of fear. And I think it's in that layer of fear where we want to deny like level one fat, you know, like the layer of fat is like we want to deny it mm-hmm. that it's happening, you know? But then you embrace that it is happening and that this has been happening, that we are at war, and you get to level two. And then you want to deny that the pettiness you feel is Actually, spiritual warfare because the enemy has a cold, like a cunning plan against you aligning to the plan right. of God, right? So he'll take you out if he could take you out of the fellowship. So there's that layer of that, you know. So I guess like the percentage, what I'm talking about is which, okay. It, I don't think it'll be complex because if I'm getting an image of, of steak I think God really wants us to understand this like on a human level is I think the question you might be asking or, you know, our listeners like, well, how much of it is that right, person's yeah, issues? Yeah. Like, is,
4: yeah, yeah, is
3: that where you were going also? <laughs> yeah. Because I think it's reasonable to ask how much of it is they have some work yes. to do, you know, like um meaning work some stuff out, like, and that's, A common, that's a, that, if there's a common thread of that, I'm not not talking about warfare, but like certain issues of, um, bleeding, you know, not just like harassment of like gnats over a head, but if there's constant like bleeding about certain issues, you know, it's important to get that looked at, you know, and that's where I would recommend counseling, like, I think it's easy to say, I think this is emotional, no or no, or this is spiritual, but sometimes it bleeds into both. But spiritual warfare is dynamic in that it's not emotional, you know, and I think I want to be clear about that, you know. But I think a lot of times the question people might ask is like, how much of it is my own distortions that I'm, I'm still distorted, you know, and working through or that I need to work through? Um, or, you know, the cognitive yeah. distortions, right? Or how much of it is just pettiness of warfare of me feeling these messages because of what's happening outside of me? And I think there's a nuance to it, you know? And sometimes it could look like, you know, 20, 80, 80, 20. And there's no shame and there's no, nothing against anyone. And actually, it's encouraged that you would actually go and, you know, get help with those things so that there's a better understanding of self and the triggers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I, I guess I just on the side, I want to, I guess, using the analogy of the steak, like touch upon on all parts, make sure the salt right. gets on all of it and cut mm-hmm. out excess, you know? Love that analogy. So. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I mean a lot of that makes sense. I think what I really appreciate about this sermon and and our conversation so far is that it's, it's, it's really a practical guide of like really navigating through, um, I guess whatever, I know we made the distinction between emotional and spiritual, um, turbulence, but, you know, almost kind of in that way of like trying to navigate and like really wrestle with and figure out like what, what is really going on here, right? Cause like in the context of a war, we have to have an awareness and an understanding of what, what's re- what's really happening. Right. Um, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. And I, I love this conversation because like, I think that's the whole thing that I really took away is that, you know, the bigger picture here for me seems like we are trying to become a fellowship. I think we as a collective I meaning not, not just like to our church or anything like that, but like we as a collective becoming one mind and one heart unified, despite the petty, like the pettiness and like the small, you know, like differences we might have so that we could come together and move away from like the recreational aspects of what a fellowship is or like what it could be and really, really align ourselves to mission. Right. Cause if we, if we lose focus on what the mission is and what's at stake here and, you know, what we're really fighting for, then, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of purposeless, like, you know, to put it bluntly, because we're missing the purpose.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think the two things that you're mentioning, one is that it's very practical. Um, and also that recreation as its end it, in a, in a church is actually purposeless. It's completely mm. missing the point. Which brings me to um, the bloopers, <laughs> which I loved. <laughs> because, you know, Sam, you know, he goes to film near sunset right. because it's hot now, you know? I said to him one day, I said, because he films at the beach, and I said, hey, why are you wearing sneakers? Like, you should kind of, you know, dress qu- like, so that, yeah. you know, just wear sandals. You're going to the beach. He goes, oh, sometimes I have to climb these rocks to get a good uh, view or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So that's good safety. And I'm like not thinking much of it. But I'm thinking rocks, mm-hmm. like how bad could it be? You know, it's a public beach. And then um when I saw the bloopers, actually, I saw the inside look of when he said, yeah, I climbed these rocks for you. And then I made like I said to some people in a church, jokingly, I said, you know, um, our pastor, our fellowship will do recreation of climbing rocks for God's mission, mm-hmm. not for recreation itself. I just thought it was such a great picture because, <laughs> you know, I think we live in a world where we're always looking for some kind of pastime and hobby to suit us and help us get through life that a lot of times recreation becomes yeah. recreation, you know, or even in a more focused context, I think in a church, if all you do is eat together and talk about, you know, and this is, I guess, in a way of conf- confronting the su- the superficiality and the level of first level steak is how, how will we get, oh, I mean, actually I'm like, wow, I'm getting really <laughs> excited with all these things. But if, we're, how do we get yeah. to the meat? <laughs> You know, of of following God's plans and will if we're always just kind of breaking bread together and brunching together and talking about all these frivolous Mm -hmm. things. You know what I mean? And but. You know, there's this and I've seen it with the fellowship, I've seen it with the young adults the real point of recreation is brought together in its mightiness of power and community when there's something for the kingdom mm. of God. You know what I mean? Like, and I've seen that, and I think that's such a good picture. When there's something, um, when the gathering creates a fellowship that's been strengthened, by breaking bread together and brunching together, you know, to do something for the kingdom of God, you know, for the rifle king landing, for the campaigning that God's on, I think then you you know for people listening, you could kind of like look at how did that serve, that how did that recreation serve towards the fellowship of for the sake of the mission? You know, mm-hmm. I think that's such a good picture you know, and I think that's the tension we always have to have, you know, and that's kind of like, and I think as a church planter, that's always kind of been ingrained in us because we did not want to become a church that branches together. You know, we want to be a church that is about the kingdom and about the mission. So evangelism Mm. is always at the forefront, you know? So I think having that tension of, it's not when my life gets together, then I have something to give you. No. Yeah. No one wants to be in codependence. Like we're not talking about that extreme level of where you're actually forsaking yourself and hurting yourself for the sake of your identity, being caught up in helping someone. We're not talking about codependence, but when the fellow, when the gathering and the laughter and the icing doesn't mount up to a mission, then I think we're in really climbing rocks like right purposelessly as as a fellowship it is not real and i would even say this because i think a lot of times fellowship is used mm. as a word of eating together but that it was very clear to the early church that they fellowship together and broke bread for the mission really for the mission like it was clear and i guess i want to say this too like you know, I hear this a lot in this community. Like, I would never have been friends with that person, like, if it weren't for this church. And I want to expound on that. If it weren't for the mission of God, I would never have worked with that person on the same team. If it weren't for the mission of God, I would have never really been at their, you know, like, I don't know. I would have sure, never yeah. hung out with that person. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And because the unanimity really is not about our, you know, what our preferences are, but it's really about mm. the kingdom of God. And I think that's what is the strength and the, you know, the, the lining point has to be right. the mission of Christ. Because like Sam said this, but if that's not clear, Christian life will not make sense why we go to church will Hmm. not make sense if it's always about to feel be um if it is always about feeling good feeling better bettering myself and it's never for the sake of others for the sake of the kingdom of god our christian life will lose its longevity it will not make sense it will be if it will feel almost like what's the word um superfluous, redundant, like, why do I even bother? Why Mm. am I even going to church? And I think that's the other um, um, thing that God is trying to adjust. Like, this is why we have church. This is why we listen. And, oh, yeah, the part about, you know, C.S. Lewis says that when we go to church and hear the preaching of the word, it's so important, right? It's so important that we gather the gathering and the preaching of the word of um, that sacredness of that time is not somehow fit into our schedule to the point where it becomes the last thought and forgotten thought. Why that's so important is because literally when we hear the preaching of God and the teaching of the word, we're getting uh what do you say? A wireless, which is so crazy because they didn't have wireless <laughs> in CSOS times, but <laughs> you know, we're literally getting a wireless of God's, what God is saying, downloaded yeah. into us. So, Which really means that if we're not gathering to hear the preaching of the word and when other things start taking precedence, whether it's like the level of, I don't know, um, I think all across the board, I think families struggle to hear the preaching of the word because there's a struggle of even Having any kind of sanity mm. in the room, you know? And, uh, and we want you to know that's why podcast is there so you could kind of plug it into your ears and we, what is the word? Um, what is it? Review, um, because it's that important. But yeah, like why, why do these things exist? It's so that we hear it because if, if it literally means if we don't hear constant teaching and preaching of God's word, we don't get the information we need to live this mm. life, you know? So, I think the absence of it is something we should yeah. really fear of what it will become mm. of us.
1: I really like that.
3: So it's a real mm. that. But, I mean, not, not just families, but that's really where the biggest struggle is or like busyness, like, comp- what, is, uh, what is the word? Really, the word I'm looking for is um, comp- competing commitments, mm. you know? There's a reason why we have to really prioritize gathering for the preaching of the word more. And I would say this more than, um, that just fellowship of small group. I think preaching of the word is so important because I, I hear this a lot too. Like people say, Oh, I go to small group, but I don't really attend church. Well, that doesn't actually make sense because it's the preaching of the word that gives us content. To right. be nourished, mm. you know, the substance as a believer and as a seeker to understand what, what is this about mm. and what is God saying? So I think that disconnect also needs to be reconnected as well, because I think there's a preference there as well. Like, oh yeah, that, that part, I'm really not good at listening to preaching or lectures or teaching because I've never been good at that. I hear that a lot actually. I would reassess that. I would say, well, okay, I get that at school you struggled in lectures, but this if this is more important than that or maybe it was building up. Yeah, you could maybe it is a learning disability and and some people have said that as well, but is there a possibility that it's spiritual warfare? And um for some people they have a hard time focusing on the message as soon as like any movie it's engaging and they'll say oh no it's because like there's a lot of action and I need a lot of action to kind of stay engaged but when the message goes on or when I'm sitting at church like I fall asleep and you could say well I I I worked really late and I know that's a case a lot of the times but if that becomes a constant pattern Mm -hmm. you might want to look into that like either change lifestyle so that you can prioritize the the, the wireless wireless being downloaded to you for nourishing and direction for God's kingdom. But also what if that's the scheme the enemy has against you so that you never really wake up literally because you're sleeping and you can't hear the message. You can't hear what God is speaking to you. And as long as the enemy can block that hearing, Well, you never get to the truth of it. You never get to the Mm -hmm. point of what God is saying. We could say that God works in all different ways. Well, I think that's why the fellowship is important. That's where the fellowship of people who care can, when you actually have that conversation, observing people and being there for people who are seeking and trying to grow. Well, if that fellowship exists and we acknowledge that there's a war, we can have a conversation about that and pray for that. And I've seen actually people wake up as a result or sudden – I'm talking about sudden busyness or insanity disappearing so that their ears could actually hear Mm. and engage. So I would even – I would um, pray into those areas as well in the name of Jesus. You know, you can do hit and say, Lord, 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 I want to hear you. I want to break this warfare against me hearing the word of God. I want to break that in the name of Jesus. I want to break the scheme of being distracted at all the right times in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to break the rationalization for myself to never get to the point of overcoming certain battles and overcoming and breaking through certain battles in this war. I want to break that in the name of Jesus. I want to break the schemes that keep me from actually understanding your plans for me in this war. As a fellowship of of, of believers, I want to break that scheme in the name of Jesus. And I want to pray that, you know, I think earwax is such a great representation, right? You could have presence of earwax is to protect the ear, but too much of it, it will actually hurt hearing. And it's a prophetic picture. God, if there's any earwax that actually stands in the way of me hearing your word, hearing the truth to actually be living fully, even in the fully here, uh, here, but not yet, Lord, I want to engage. I want to break that scheme in Jesus' name. And that's the power of the authority of Christ is that we can use his name as, as Christ would, as, as his child. We are just like Christ mm. because of what Christ has done. And that's actually why you want to come to Christ. You are given authority as the son of God has been given authority because Bible says we become as children of God, we become just like Christ on earth. Mm. So mm.
4: yeah,
3: I would pray. I wouldn't wait. I would pray just like I wouldn't wait to confess. Mm. I would pray right away. As you're feeling it right now, I would pause <laughs> right now in the podcast and I would pray Um just like, We just prayed right there and rebuke the schemes of the enemy, you know, and there will be breakthrough as a result.
4: Right.
1: Well, I I mean, I agree on all, like, all the points that you just made because, you know, one of the questions that I had was, you know, you know, Dr. Sammy made it a point that trust and love is kind of forged through fellowship. And, you know, I think there is that kind of – misnomer that fellowship is like if you spend time and hang out with people but really it's the like i, I like in my mm-hmm. personal experience it's always like to my surprise the people that i felt like i've bonded with great trust and with great love have been the people that i have worked with for the kingdom like the people that i've been if you like been in the trenches with i guess in terms of this analogy uh right so cuz like mm-hmm. usually it is kind of confused like oh it's like through fellowship through like brunch and you know eating together afterwards that those relationships are kind of curated but it's it's not necessarily so and also on the on the point of the importance of church right like and like meeting together for service it's it's kind of like how i see it is that like the service and church serves as like a home base where you get your mission briefing. And if you miss that mission briefing, you're not, you're not going to really know what, what's going on or like what, what we're supposed to do or like what we're called to do on a regular basis. And we're going to miss yeah. fundamentally what the Holy Spirit and what mm-hmm. God is doing in our lives and around us. Yeah.
3: Yes. You know, I was, um I love that you said that because I think um I was reminded of this verse and I just thought it was so powerful and it gave me insight to intentionality in relationship and why that's so important mm-hmm. in context of war as opposed to just you know I know this might offend people but you know Bible makes it clear in Proverbs that friends you make become closer than your brother your relationship with your brother or sister or family that it's actually I guess a, a, some will say thicker than blood. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Um, and I was just thinking about that because given that, yes, we're all very different. Like we would have never come together. Like think about it, right? If, unless someone was seeking to find Christ, who God is, the living God is, they would not be in that theater, right? Unless there was that hunger yeah. for more, right? Um, people that are gathering that are not necessarily, you're not in the same sports club. You're not necessarily, although you might enjoy basketball together, but that's kind of like secondary, you know, purposes are secondary. Like people are gathered because they, it becomes an intentional gathering for yes, like briefing of mission, but it becomes also an intentional gathering of relationship forged for a greater purpose than just, you know, like I was born into it or I was, um, I stumbled into it. It's not a default relationship at all. It's actually mm-hmm. very intentional. And, um, and I think that's what Proverbs is talking about. A friend along the journey becomes way more crucial and of a stronger bond than blood relationships because when you, you intentionally make relationship, for the sake of a greater mission, you know. Generally speaking, it bec- they become your allies in war, mm-hmm. and I think that's what you're talking about, and what the message was um, saying—that the love and the trust that's built as warriors and soldiers in war together for the same point, for the same overcoming survival. Not, and also overcoming evil of a greater purpose, I think becomes mm. way tighter and closer. And that's, that's what trust and love is because you realize, okay, your, your incentive is for the kingdom. Your interest is for the kingdom. Well, so, is, right. so is, so is mine. Let's do it. like it becomes mm-hmm. stronger that way, yeah. you know?
1: And I listened to like some broadcasts and, uh, I guess audio things led by people that have been in the military before, like Navy Seals and stuff like that. And that's one of the points that they always stress very strongly: is the brothership, Uh the brothership, the brotherhood, (laughs) the brotherhood, and the bond that Uh is forged just just based off of they're in war together, they're confronting an enemy together, and like there's there's such a wide, vast array of personalities, but they come together despite their differences. And like when they talk about the love they have for each other and the brotherhood that is forged over that it's, it's kind of like they like, even for them, I think they're reluctant to say this, but they also say that it's Mm -hmm. like, like incomparable to even blood relationships. Like there's something, there's something there like forged or made over a common Mm -hmm. purpose that brings people together to really um, do life together or like to trust one another and to love each other. To a
3: very different level. Hmm. And you know, um, I love that. And you know, it re- it reminds me of what Sam said about how right. scarcity brings clarity. Somebody said that in the message, and I, I think he would say that in the context mm, of the yeah, pandemic. Yeah. You know, like you look around and you become you you are. Basically living scarce of the social interactions that you once had and perhaps have taken granted. And, um, scarcity has a way of making things very clear what's important and what you really needed. And I guess my point of it is that what I, what I learned and what I'm observing is, you know, is it is just like the book of Acts and that Their commonness really is the kingdom of God. But if you really think about it, although we're not gathering, you know, physically together, the scarcity of not being able to gather and not being able to literally go to church physically and have lunch. Like you realize what I saw is that people are united in this fellowship. Um, in the church not because of the meals hmm. they share right because like I know a lot like I guess it's kind of like expounding on what you said like you know um, they want to do life together but what does that really look like because I think there's a lot of uh, idealism about what doing life together means does it really mean yeah. that you go on vacations together does it mean that have to go rock climbing three times, or yeah. I'll say even like fishing, for example. Okay, like you know, does it does it mean annual trips that keep them together? But actually, again, I don't want to miss the forest for, for the trees. It is yes, forest for the trees is that it's not necessarily the recreation or the things we get to do with one another. But even though we're spread apart, it became very clear to me we're united by the mission of Christ. And actually, that was one of the things I was really encouraged about, um, you know, specifically with our community is we're so far apart in so many ways because, you know, New York City was hit very strongly. It's stabilized. COVID has not stabilized. Um, it's done a good job and all that. But three months is a long time. And it helped me see that although we're apart, And although everyone is just living Mm. their life, right? Whether it's working or you know, um studying or raising children or whatever it is, there is a unanim unanimity of oneness because of the gospel. Like I realized we are united by one and only thing, person, which is Christ. And I think I was able to see that. And I think um, also, I was really encouraged by that, but also I think God is saying that that's what the fellowship of the believers is and must be. It's not that we get to hang out more because we like each other because of the trust and the love that was formed. Cause it's not about that. It doesn't negate intentionality in relationship and hanging out per se or literally eating together, breaking bread, but actually it brings clarity why the fellowship of the believers exists? We exist not for vacations together, not for brunches. How many brunches we have to distinguish? These are my close friends versus these are not my close friends. But in the end, when we become a community that seeks God's kingdom first, we become a community that is united in the forefront at all times for one reason, and that's Christ. That's the mission of God. And I realize that's the common theme um and the thread that the church must run on and is what the first century church is teaching us um, is that live your life raise your children build those relationships but in the end we when the time whether it is a prophetic timing or whether it is um, personal ev- evangel- evangelization evangelism ultimately, apart or together we're living for one mission and think about it that brings us closer even to those globally who are being persecuted for christ and i think that's the relationship of people you've never have met but we become in one with those who are being persecuted for their faith and doing the same thing and i think if you think about it like that, it's like so encouraging. Of globally, their their fellowship of the believer that gather together and apart, and gather for the sake of Christ, the mission, for the briefing, for discussion, for growth, apart and you know that may never ever hang out per se on a vacation or on you know timeshare, but. When God calls, there is a sense of uniformity where it is about one mission. You know, people you would not hang out with, but because of the mission of God. And I think globally, that's how also we we know that we're not alone in this fight. This actually is a cosmic global war, you know. Those are my thoughts, but I just wanted to share that. Because I think there is assumption of you know, these are the people that I want to grow old, and so I want to do this. And and then the pettiness gets in, like, oh, we didn't go on that yeah. vacation. I guess I'm not that close compared to the people I actually went on vacation. But I actually know that in our community, a lot of people go on vacation or take trips with people um, for the mission. So you might not be spending your vacation days with your buddies at church as you want, but here it is. You're on mission. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's such a beautiful picture of, of a cosmic level of what's happening, even though optically, you know, or you don't know, you know what I mean? This, I love, uh, what is it? Like, uh, or, you know, like yeah. I think Sam mentioned friends, Seinfeld, you might not get together and have a cup of coffee and talk about your day every single day together. In that setting, in that way, where there's a place you can always come and, you know, somehow it's, I mean, it's very ideal. It's very nice, but it's like, it's not reality. The reality is we're at war and we're fighting the same war together. And that looked very different from the idealism of what community necessarily looks like in our mind. It's not always a biblical, um, you know framework of what community and fellowship is, you know? So fellowship is strengthened because of people together serving Christ and, Mm -hmm. and expanding his mission of the rightful King landing, you know, joining the campaign of, of the rightful King landing. Like I think The scarcity definitely brought clarity to that and breaks idealism of what it feels like it should be. It gives us biblical Hmm. frames and lenses for that as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, that totally answers the last question I was going to ask you. (laughs) Uh, Because I was going to ask you, you know, what does it, like, I guess, what is the picture of what a community that is united um, and on mission look like against the enemy? and darkness in the world. Um, Mm. But yeah, I think my, my greatest takeaway from this conversation and also from the sermon is that like, it's, it's super important for us. It's, I think of the utmost importance for us to like really be on track and on target in terms of mission and not like miss that fundamental aspect of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Like it is, it is to, spread the gospel and it is to share Christ with the world. And, you know, if we forget that, you know, that that's a detriment, not just for us, but for the world, right? Like that's the, that's the stakes here. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Because what, essentially when we say Christ came to shed light into darkness, really, he came because darkness and evil looms in us around us and we need a salvation. So He's not just flashing the flashlight to make things brighter and lighter. He's actually coming. He's actually come to put a, put a, what is that? Put a spear, spear against Mm. dark, against death, you know, spiritual death to give us salvation. So I think it brings things into perspective. Um, that what the fellowship of believers really is and is meant to look like. Cause like, you know, like there were a lot of people imprisoned for their faith. So because they're no longer seeing each other, like Paul was imprisoned for his faith and, and later mm. he's executed, right. For his faith. But he wrote epistles addressing, you know, so many issues in the church and bringing the church together they were not together. There was a scarcity of proximity. But the strengthening of the gospel and the mission of God was so powerful that it speaks to this day, speaks to us this day as a mirror. So I think this message also addresses um that our recreation is not, I, I forget exactly how he said it, but it's such an important point. I guess that's why I keep bringing it up. but um how do you the main purpose of our fellowship is not mm-hmm. recreation but missional because i think other around this this reality comes also that fatty lining that god wants to sometimes uh-huh. i mean you don't Thanks. prune it but you know to, to kind of go with whether it's stuff that's not really helping Grow like the pettiness grows around this too. Like oh well, I felt unseen by that person as much, and you know, like there are deprivations, deprivations in all of us that if we don't understand that the fellowship of the believer is for the sake of the mission, that recreation is for the sake of the mission, not in a utilitarian way, and not at all because it's the most altruistic, Right, right. right? The mission. But I, and this comes because people think, well, I feel like they're all about just, you know, people coming to Christ and they don't really care mm-hmm. about people. I actually want to adjust that because some people do those things. Like, yeah, I feel like they don't really, um, you know, they didn't spend that much time with me. And I think those, those kind of words become toxic sometimes to a community when, because there's a lack of understanding, um, but again, I think there's a fortress of recreation for the sake of building relationships. But ultimately, we build relationships for the mission. And when people feel that way, it's unfortunate. But um I think also there's a looming of darkness there as well to kind of, you know, the enemy has a way of using not just what's happening currently, but he has a way of using high school wounds. He has a way of mm-hmm. using, you know, parental wounds, um, just wounds of trauma of any kind, whether someone is aware or not aware of. Like, I don't like the way you said mm-hmm. that to me. You know, someone might say, you know, A person meant it in the most loving way. I don't like the way you said that. And um, it becomes about that person and the person who said that. But actually, sometimes it goes a lot deeper. And pettiness prevails where, what was that yeah, great quote? Pettiness prevails where there is a, yeah. So if the dream of God's mission is not clear, um there is warfare that looms around it. But also when there's no expression of love for the sake of this, of the other and love for the sake of the mission. I think also, um, the enemy just keeps us at the same level, but I think it's very comprehensive in that it goes 360 degrees. It goes 180 degrees, 2020 20 for hindsight. I think we have to, like the word you said, like, and we say this all the time, like practical. It's very practical that we would confess to each other mm-hmm. our struggles instead of accusing, because sometimes the enemy will harass someone as unpleasant as it is. Sometimes, many times the enemy will harass someone through a person, right? Through a wound, you know, like the enemy has a way of, it's like, you know, in the Avengers, like one of the superpowers was to kind of, before she joined the good side, I think it was like one of no. the Olsen sisters, <laughs> the actor, she, you can kind of sense weakness and she can morph a situation so that it makes you almost stuck in your worst reality or worst fears. And we see that in the end, she kind she joins the Avengers and actually starts using it that distortion Mm. for good, you know, that power for good. But a lot of times I think, I think in a sense, God is saying we have to help people cross over from being stuck in pettiness, you know, to cross over. But also the balance of um, being led by the Spirit, um, ultimately, do not get stuck in pettiness that we don't end up doing the mission of Christ either. So I feel like all the degrees is in play here, of re-examination, of hindsight, of... Turning around, you know, of practicing. It's very practical how we can overcome spiritual warfare Mm because ultimately it's in the name of Jesus. Yeah,
1: I I completely agree. I feel like it's very comprehensive and very clear in that respect. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess, like, I don't, because, you know, my last question was answered already. (laughs) Um, I mean, it was just like, what does a community that is united and, like, under one? like as a fellowship look like to combat the enemy and darkness? I mean, you, you already like kind of blew that question out of the water, <laughs> uh, which is great. Uh, uh okay. cause, uh, you know, I guess like that just kind of leaves me with, of course, like a practical question regarding like, how do we even get started with, you know, removing the pettiness or even like not even removing it, but how do we like supersede the pettiness to make room for God's mission? um as a community and as a fellowship
3: i guess i'm going to say it like this from my experience i say how do we do that and I, okay. okay i'll i'll say it and i'll explain it do that not peacefully but intention meaning no one going into battle against warfare It's like, oh, let me just pray about that. You know what? Let me get my journal out and my fruity scented pen and let me write about that. It's not, it's not all that in one piece or that peaceful. You need to, it's like battle. Like if, if you see that something is about to shoot you, I'm going to say, I'm so, I'm not going to say, yo, I'm going to shove you to dodge that bullet Mm -hmm. (laughs) in war. Don't take this the wrong way, okay? I just want you to know I love you. Like, I'm not gonna be saying all that. Maybe after. But I'm gonna hopefully be able to knock you over, but I'm gonna shove you so that the bullet is dodged. You know what I mean? It's more tense and peaceful. And I just say that because in warfare, whether it's in conversation or whether it comes up, like, the enemy's not gonna be like, Oh, darn, they found out it's spiritual warfare. So let me back out of here. In James, it says, submit to God to resist the enemy. And three, the enemy will flee from you. There is a process of tension. You you need to recognize, right? And sometimes there will be a shove. And practically, on a practical level, what does that look like? Hey, let's let's pray about that. No, I don't want to pray about that. Oh my God, there's so many fights like this. Like, yo, let's pray about this. Like, let's rebuke that in Jesus' name. No, are you weird? Like, we're in the middle of a walk here. Why should we even pray about that? Okay, I, I get it, but let's just pray together and see, and we can talk about it more. And then, so you go, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke any schemes and darkness that's looming around this, around this, you know? you take authority in the name of Jesus and then have the conversation. Submit to God, resist the enemy and the enemy will flee, you know, and the effects of the, of the warfare will literally dissipate throughout the conversation or at the amen, right. Um, of agreement, but it doesn't come in this peaceful nature always. Sometimes it will. Sometimes you'll be carrying around, a. Like a glo- a gloom of, you know, heaviness over your head. And you don't even know that it's there by assignment of the enemy. And you're just always feeling it. And someone will come and say, Hey, let's pray for you. And then whether it's a small group that comes together and you pray against that. And literally, uh, there's a, sh- there's sunshine over your head. So we don't always know, but it doesn't always come in this peaceful way, but there's tension. So you have to kind of treat it like war. Be gentle because it's not necessarily um actual mm. war like war and weapons but we fight with weapons of God of not of this world right so mm. you know a peace not peacefully but intention is really what i meant and the peace of god will come but you right. have to embrace the tension of warfare
4: yeah.
3: I don't know how many times people are in conversations where they, their pride is just like, mm. you know, I'll say our pride. Like, you know, you feel like all of a sudden the person speaking truth to you is the enemy himself because you're like, mm. you're offending me left and right. Oh, my God. I don't like the way you speak. Like, <laughs> you know, that happens. Mm. Like, can you be more loving? I don't think so. I am not listen to you until you say this this way. <laughs> you know, all that happens. but. All, a lot of times there's a distortion of clouding and fogging up of what's really happening. And that's why things are not always as they seem. And that's why I think uniting at the front of Christ, like, dude, I don't really like you right now. I don't mm-hmm. really like myself. But I don't like you more. But let's come before Christ because we, at least, we can submit to one another in Christ, you know? And when you do that, um, then you could unravel and hmm. overcome spiritual warfare. Become aware of how the enemy's been, you know, planting his little attacks.
1: It does make sense. Does that
3: make sense?
1: I'm just, I think I'm, I'm just letting it sink in how that could be uncomfortable and you know really provide that tension. Uh, but you know, I think you're, hmm. you're right because you know I also feel. Sometimes even like even in my friend groups or even in my conversations with, um, you know, people I love that that flares up in me even, right? Like it's just not, not even, but you know, obviously it flares up like, you know, why do we, why should we pray about this? Or like, it's not that big of a deal or like those things. So it's like, it's just bringing mm-hmm. that awareness to the fact that this is more, it's more important than my pride. And it's more important to prioritize you know prioritize what god is doing and prioritize um strengthening that bond more so than like i guess our preferences at the end of the day right
3: yeah i would say it might hurt more when it's more about the distortion than the enemy attacking Then it's about mm-hmm work that you have to do like when sometimes it is that like okay it's me i have to actually um, come to terms mm-hmm. and heal this part you know i because a lot of times people will say the attacks are worse and but actually the attacks all submit under the name of jesus bible makes that very clear under the authority of the name of jesus christ power is released the enemy no longer has finds room when we make room to actually bring him into the picture. But when it really hurts is when I think other stuff, really. So I think there are so many fallacies about following Christ. And, you know, what? even just the lies that the enemy has set up around living for Christ, Mm -hmm. that you're losing, not winning. That's a lie, you know. You're going to lose more than win if you follow Christ. No, I think you gain um, freedom in Christ. You gain agency apart from this world of slavery, of the yoke of slavery and sin and conformity to this world. You actually gain freedom. You gain authority in Christ. You gain access to come against the malaise. You know? So there's, I mean, I think mm, it, yeah. it's good news for a reason.
4: I agree.
5: Yeah. Well,
1: uh, any, any last thoughts or closing thoughts on
5: your end, Um
3: mm, I don't think so. I was um, really, I have my notes. <laughs> I was really trusting to be led because I know that when I initially heard the message, mm-hmm. it was just so powerful and so clear. I think also very timely of the the clarity that we have through this scarcity of the pandemic. But I was just so excited; um, my heart was just to somehow have a conversation that helps people, um, you know, to overcome to the next level, to you know, understand from God's perspective. So. Yes, but right now, I gave all the, the visual mm. illustrations that I got. Even the ones that I was like, hold oh, back. I don't know, when you said fact oh, yeah. to fact, I was like, okay, I'll just share it. <laughs> I've actually been hearing that um, it's been speaking, mm. the podcast has been speaking to so many people, bring clarity. Um, I think also from nothing to understanding that, you know, nothing meaning... People yeah. are just kind of living about their life, you know, kinda get through struggle, do struggle and realizing there's more. So yeah. So no, my answer. <laughs> yes. I intentionally explained all oh, yeah. that, but yeah, yeah my I
1: answer. Mean, yeah, is I, also, I don't have anything. I think, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause like this, this sermon spoke to me a lot also with respect to, um, like the scarcity and the clarity. Cause that's literally, I feel like what happened to me last week. So, um, Mm. Yeah, I, I i think this went pretty well <laughs> with that reply. <respect. laughs> I hope so, too. Yeah. Well, I
3: hope that it bears I mean, Because
1: you like, answered sure. a bunch of my questions without me even having to ask them. So.
3: Mm. well, I think because those are questions, right. I think we're all wondering in this battle.
4: Cool.
3: Yeah. Um, Father, we come before you. I know that we prayed in the middle of it as an example, but also really practicing how practical this is. Lord, you have made yourself available to us in salvation. You did not have to, but you did, and we're being redeemed. But Lord, we live in a world of here but not yet of your kingdom. We get a taste of your goodness, but at the same time in the same world we're attacked in so many uh different fronts, Lord, by the enemy. And Lord, we want to acknowledge that today. In Jesus name, wherever people might be, whether people are seeking um, to know that you are alive. And for those that are believers, uh, waking up from slumber of any kind of just being lied to by the enemy for years, whatever the chronic, whatever the acute, whatever it is, Lord, wherever people might be, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that this mirror that's given to all of us, Will be um, made clear exactly how the enemy has been keeping us from acknowledging, but also growing and know- in the knowing and really moving forward with knowledge of mm-hmm. the fact that we are at war and more that we can overcome in the name of Jesus Christ. And that the war is very tricky because the warfare is that the enemy uses comes in so many normal ways that we often think of them as just pettiness of others and pettiness of ourselves and that we rarely mention it. But Lord, we thank you that your word teaches us to confess to one another's struggles so that we will be healed. And that makes so much sense because a lot of times if we don't acknowledge that there's a war, we won't know that we've been wounded in it lord and through the confession of internalized thoughts of struggles even if we think oh this one probably doesn't even matter a lot of times things are not as they seem and they matter the most and it breaks through so god we as a community of fellowship of believers lord becoming and um together more like christ in this battle lord we want you to submit to you in the name of Jesus and we want to resist the enemy in all of its schemes and we pray in the name of Jesus that the enemy will flee and that there will be a clarity that would come to the community of all people seeking you and listening to you and Lord that there will be a clarity that comes of your plans in the battle your plans for each person the things that we have been kept from by the resistance of the enemy to wake up to those things and to recognize that we have a part to play together, um, and apart, Lord. So we pray, Father, that there will be, uh, the wireless of the downloading of your plans, Lord, downloaded this week in small groups and gatherings as people listen to this in their cars, in their runs, in their walks, in their homes. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will release and unleash the very plans and the assignments of god and begin to deteriorate and abl- uh, uh what is it um eliminate um the assignments of the enemy god so we pray for this lord Amen. in jesus well, name we pastor pray. lydia thank Amen. you
1: so much for the clarity and guidance um that i'm sure is going to be really eye-opening uh moving forward just regard in regards to spiritual warfare and you know i took away a lot from this and i know um, that others will as well. And so thank you so much for this conversation again. Thank you. And uh, thank, oh, you thank you all for listening. And um, <laughs> we'll see you all next time. Have a great week.
2: Now, will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. Amen.
0: My name is Minyang. I'm a member here at 180 Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 180 Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment methods shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at church180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering180church.tv, at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. If you're a visitor joining us today, welcome. If you feel blessed by their service and you feel led to give, you can do so in the payment methods I mentioned before. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180church, which is available on text at 5397PRAYER and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, If your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the Word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now, and if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen, and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the One Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu, who is a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual Winity Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another.
2: In addition to this, uh, we we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be blessed by him and to bless others through this situation
5: that's going
0: on. And last but not least, if you'd like to learn more about our church and want to sign up for our weekly emails, you can come visit us at TV. That's it for all of our announcements. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you all next week.
3: Bye.